आप सुन रहे हैं ऑडियो कुंभ वी शेल डिस्कस द ह्यूमन राइट्स एंड द धर्म द सोसाइटी हैज प्रोग्रेस्ड एंड बियॉन्ड द ह्यूमन राइट्स द वेरियस स्टेट एंड द सोसाइटी आल्सो कंसिडरिंग द एनिमल्स Today's subject is human rights and dharma. With the progress of the society, with the evolution in various countries, beyond the human rights, the rights of the animals, the birds, the rights of free-flowing rivers. healthy mountains fresh air are also being considered even for the animals that are reared up for slaughtering we in india have a law called prevention of cruelty for animals in other countries it is sometimes called animal welfare act or with other names they are to be treated with some care with some affection to avoid unnecessary cruelty to them and this way the humanity is progressing towards the spiritual values but today our topic is confined to human rights what are human rights easily we can say that the rights available to a person necessary for a person for his being born in a human form the inherent rights that a person requires for his progress the right to food in bharat this is a fundamental right the right to work the freedom of speech and expression the freedom of thought belief faith and worship the right to form associations and unions the right to travel freely throughout the boundaries of the country the liberties the right to due process of law the respect for the dignity of an individual the fraternity of the society this is a general spectrum of the rights and we would find that in the last 200 250 years the world had been progressing in one form or the other to achieve these rights if we survey the scene in america the system of slavery a person being treated as a property 
he could be sold and purchased like a chattel like a cow in the leadership of abraham lincoln they waged a civil war the army had to intervene then states threatened to secede but then some 152 years and merely 152 years back it came into the american constitution that slavery is abolished the scene in the muslim countries was worst not only the system of slavery existed but also in every jihadi war with the religious sanction emanating from quran itself the women captured in the war were the permitted possessions for the lust of the victors and the men to work as slaves in england on the issue of gender equality it was some 90 years back and only 90 years back that women were given the right to vote the differences on the basis of the color of their skin mahatma gandhi when he was traveling as a barrister in south africa in a first class compartment with a valid ticket was thrown out of the train because the because of the co-passenger a european could not bear the idea of traveling with a black or a brown gandhi ji in his autobiography has written that thrown out on a winter night lay he on that railway station for the whole night considered to ignore the insult and carry on the earnings or to go back to india or to fight against it he decided to fight against it and stayed in south africa thereafter for 21 long years despite this whole struggle for equality of men in 2015 a white man goes to a church in charleston town in south carolina and kills nine black persons worshiping there including the pastor who also was a senator and he justifies the action by saying that the blacks are taking over the world the holocaust it was in 1940s 42 thereafter that jews were having a different religious sect 6 million of them were killed 6 million of them including 1.5 million children many of them died traveling to the extermination camp the others died on the way when they were herded into a closed truck with zycolon b tablets thrown in 
because of the poisonous fumes. And others who reached there in the concentration camp were asked to undress and sent into a gas chamber to die. So therefore, we see that the scene all over and we in India also had our problems, particularly of the caste system, which became rigid on the basis of birth. And then a particular class of our own people, of our own brethren, were treated as untouchables. But I surveyed the whole scene to also point out that the consciousness of human rights in India did not come from outside countries as a part of our own ethos also. And I refer to this because the front organizations of the Christian missionaries, of the jihadis and of the communists, they often make a noise worldwide that India has become very intolerant. I had gone to a university meeting and they asked me about the intolerance. I said I do not accept the idea of a tolerant nation. They were surprised. I gave them an example. I was given 30 minutes to speak. I said, supposingly I exceed my time limit and speak for 45 minutes. You have invited me and you do not protest. And when I go out, I hear a couple of you talking to say, ah, 45 minutes. We tolerated him for so long. Would that be a compliment? The highest point in freedom of expression is attributed to Voltaire, who said, I disagree with what you say. So he starts with the disagreement. But I will defend unto death your right to say it. So the maximum they expect of us is that we tolerate each other, we give you a chance to speak out without any effort to listen carefully, to understand, to try to reach a consensus. No. You take a stool, go to Hyde Park, stand up on the stool and speak whatever you have to say. Is that enough? Does the right to freedom of speech does not create a corresponding duty to hear? Let us examine the Indian scene. The oldest available book is Rig Veda. Rig Veda says, Ekam Sad. Vipraha Bahudha Vadanti. The truth is one. It is expressed in many ways. 
This then is the basis of freedom of expression. Even the contrarieties, both of them simultaneously could be correct. Ekam sad vipraha bahudaha vadanti. And therefore, how were the disputes resolved? We all have heard of Adi Shankaracharya. Adi Shankaracharya was a propounder of Vedanta. And he travelled the whole country, the length of breadth of it. And won the country back to Vedanta. Not by army, because he did not have an army. Not by force, but by discussions. There was a very learned person called Mandan Mishra. Very respected. He was the votary of the Karmakand. Shankaracharya was the votary of Advait Vedanta. How did they resolve? Shankaracharya invited him to a discussion which was called Shastraartha. The two sat down to discuss. The wife of Mandan Mishra was the judge. The wife also had to look after the ashram, the food and other arrangements. She did not listen to the entire debate. She garlanded both of them with flower garland and went on to her work. She came back at about the time when the debate was concluding, heard the concluding remarks, looked at both of them and said, Shankaracharya has won. My husband has lost. Everybody agreed with the decision. But then there was a question. You were not here during the entire debate. You did not hear the arguments. How did you find this out? Her answer was, I looked at the garlands of both the persons. The garland around Shankaracharya's neck was fresh and good. The garland around Mandan Mishra's neck the flowers had dried up. It means that Mandan Mishra, during his arguments, had become angry, had become upset. His body temperature had arisen. And if one gets upset or angry during an argument, it means that the argument is weak. This was the tradition. Let us discuss and decide it. We have heard, we have heard of Maharshi Dayananda, the Arya Samaji saint. He believed that the God does not reside in the stone images in a temple. He wandered around the country and went to Banaras also. Banaras has one of the most venerated temples of Shiva. It's called Kashi Vishwanath. He stood outside the Kashi Vishwanath temple, raised both his hands and said in a loud declaratory voice, the stone that you worship inside it is merely stone and not God. The God has no form. 
and therefore it is superstitious and false to worship the Shiva in that Shivaling. What happened to him? He was not arrested. He was not beaten up. The Pandit said, let us discuss. Those who agreed with Dhyananda, they became the Arya Samajists. Those who disagreed with him continued to go to Shiva temple. There was no fight, physical fight. There was a person, Charvak. We call him Rishi, the great saint. He did not believe in the soul. He did not believe in the rebirth. Therefore, he gave a formula saying, Yava Jeevam Sukham Jeevit. During your lifetime, you live with comfort. And if you have no money for it, no means for it, he said, Rinam Krithva Gritham Pibeth. Borrow money, beg money, steal money. Live a luxurious life. Dhasmi Bhutasya Dehasse. When you die, the body would be consigned to fire. Purragvanam Kuta, who comes back? That was his theory. Charvak Darshan. We call that philosophy. We call him Maharshi. His line of reasoning was opposite to all others. The prevalent thought. For so long you live, live with comfort. If you do not have money, borrow or steal, make merry. Said, no, he's honest in his thinking. He is a Rishi. Gautam Buddha, after his tapas on the Buddha Purnima day, found that there is no Atma. He founded his own sect, Buddha Dharma. What did the others do? They said, he is the ninth avatar the ninth incarnation of Vishnu. Mahavir Swami, he said, I do not have belief in Ved. I do not have belief in Purana. He gave his theory emphasizing nine volumes. He started the Jaina Dharma. The society said, he is the tenth incarnation of Vishnu. This freedom of thought, this freedom of expression, this freedom of belief, faith, worship, however divergent it is, however non-conforming it is, has been the Indian practice and therefore in the entire history of India there is not one example when anybody was persecuted much less killed for having a different view. There is not one single example not one single example when somebody was made to convert 
to another way of thinking by force or inducement. The basis of this is ekam sad vipraha pauda vadanti. The truth is one, it is said in many ways. What is the basis of the universal dignity of men? Supposingly one of you is very rich, has the means, another is a poor person, the third is a laborer in his farms. Why should the rich men respect the dignity in other persons? The answer comes that we are not the result of a sin. Adam and Hawa, Eve, the forbidden fruit, no. We all are, and the emphasis is on all, are the children of the God. The God resides in each one of us. Every soul is potentially divine and is making progress to express its divinity, his divinity. This belief forms the basis of respecting the dignity of the individual, of all human beings. Second, if we are all the children of the God, if the same divine lives and permits in all of us, we come from the same father, the children of the same mother earth, then we all belong to one family. This is the second thing. And the third is that we do not start with the rights approach. We start with the duty approach. Kartavya. In India now there is a law that every children, every, every earning person has to maintain his parents. Every married person is to maintain his wife. If we approach it from the rights way, then what do we do? The father files a petition in the court. My son is not giving me maintenance. He's earning so much. He's working in such and such company. The son files a reply in the court saying, no, I have this much income, but I have these liabilities and debts. My take home is very little. The court hears arguments and orders. The son does not wish to pay because of the force of a court order. He is then told that if you do not pay, you will go to jail. This is the rights approach, adhikar. How does it happen in all of our homes? We send remittances for our parents. Why do we do that? Is that because of 
the fear of law, of the prosecution, or the jail? The answer would be no. It is not for the fear of law. Then why do we do it? We cut our expenses and send monies to the for the maintenance of our parents? Do we do it because of our duty? Do we think do we sit down and take a piece of paper and say, Oh, they took care of me, they gave she gave birth to me, she fed me when I was small, and therefore it is my duty to send some remittances to her? I believe that normally this also is not necessary. We send money to them because it comes naturally to us. They are our parents. We are now earning. We have means. Therefore, we send money to them. Why do we need a justification for that? Why do we need a reason for that? It's a part of our life system. This sense of obligation, this sense of duty is so ingrained into our lives that we do it naturally. In a middle class family, supposingly, in a particular season the father needs a new suit. His old coat is worn out and does not help him enough. The son wishes to go to a camping program. They'll go alongside a river, pitch up tents, prepare their own food and be there for three, four days. The funds are limited. It's an either-or situation. Either the father gets him a new suit, which he requires, or the son goes for a picnic. Examine it from a rational point of view, from the intellect. You would say, oh, this is a necessity. A luxury. Luxury can wait. Suit is necessary. But does that happen in a family? Normally, the father would then reason out to himself. Ah, we can... This season, the suit would work. We'll get it stitched, the food. I can make do. He'll call his son. Beta, you go to your camp. Enjoy. The last point. Why does it happen? The West believes in a versus system. The system of a conflict. The government opposition. What is the job of the opposition? The job is to oppose. If you are a member of a house and if you doze on him during the proceedings, no difficulty. When you wake up, find out if your side is speaking and say, hey, hey, very good, wonderful. If the other party is speaking, say, shame, shame. Your jobs are defined. You are two conflicting parties. In the court, you are two conflicting parties. An individual, his family is an outer circle which encompasses him, which limits him. 
the village is a bigger circle which encompasses the family and limits it the state is the still bigger circle which encompasses the uh, city and limits it we in india do not believe that there is a small boy his grandfather is let us say the president of america trump comes home the grandson a small boy sits in his lap grabs his spectacles trump wants them back the boy is small he does not give it to him and then he says marunga he says to trump marunga what does trump do does he tell him i am the president of america does he tell him that these are the laws no he calls somebody in the family and says look how naughty he is a small child has a right to be in his own world the child grows up one day he comes back and has some bruises you ask him what happened to you why the bruises the boy explains somebody insulted my sister i fought with him and gave him a bashing but then why did you give him a bashing it was your sister the reason being that he has now his ego has expanded to be at the level of the family and if something happens to a family member he feels that as if it has happened to him and then he starts going to a shop one day you say why was your shop closed beta the boy the boy says somebody in the town on the other side had died and i had to attend his funeral somebody on the other side of the town had died why did you close your shop why did you attend the funeral why did you lose your money because his i his self has expanded to the level of his town and any persons sorrow or a happy occasion it becomes a part of his own self and then you are traveling in a in a in a railway in say in an american town you are one is from gujarat is he he meets another person observes that he has a gujarati book in his hand asks him aap gujarat se hain are you from gujarat all right wonderful to meet you in america can we sit down for a cup of coffee when did you arrive where are you staying all right you'll make arrangements for your stay meanwhile you stay with me why you did not know him earlier he was a stranger to you minutes back but the very fact that the two of you are from the same state creates a relationship my i my ego has expanded to the level of my state finally there is a cricket match you are glued to the tv 
the side that you are supporting somebody hits a six you jump why he has hit a six you have watched it on the tv screen why do you jump somebody gets out you feel very angry on him and when your team wins how happy are you are how do you celebrate in that one moment of victory on that day of watching the tv you feel happy or sad with the tides of your team because on that one day at the time of watching the match each of us personifies in our own body the entire country the country has won i have won this expansion of the self to the level of the world to the universe is the basis for respect of each other the dignity of each other the vasudev kutumbakam we all are one family and therefore the dharma says everyone's rights are protected when everyone performs his duties the guarantees for achieving rights is in the performance of duties virtuously selflessly and that is what dharma tells us i outlined the evolution of human rights particularly in these 250 and when i discussed the slavery the racial discrimination referred to i also referred to the untouchability system in india said this is a common quest for human rights so i was not trying to make a comparison but in the second half of what i emphasized on this that freedom of thought expression worship and dignity of individual for the bharatiyas evolved so culture i would probably assume swapi kya hua and i would probably assume that uh, the semitic religions were the writing in their book is the final word and any deviation even the discovery that the earth is not flat even the discovery that the sun revolves around the earth is wrong earth revolves around the sun were questioned by the state power so it is more natural for us indians to be receptive to each other and therefore for some qualities for some rights particularly speech and expression belief faith and worship we have an older tradition and they come to us from our belief system 
I would believe that human rights do not make us rigid. The rigidity comes from the violation of human rights. Because the very word human rights creates a universality. The rights not only for the Americans, not only from, for a particular sect, but the rights of the whole human race. So therefore the rigidity and the difficulties arise from the violation or misunderstanding of human rights and not from the human rights. The question of human civil, uh, uniform civil code is not directly related to universality of human rights. But it is tangentially connected, for example, the gender justice and triple talaq. Only the husband has a right to say to give a divorce. And he can do it by saying talaq thrice or texting an SMS message saying talaq, talaq, talaq. This gender discrimination, it is now being corrected by their own society also and by the courts. Uniform Civil Code is slightly different subject. The question is, how does the society and each individual evolves to his full potential and whether we allow him all those facilities as of right or not?